0: hello everyone it's great to be back at mosaic my name is Ruben Alvarado I'm a friend of Tim's and some of you um, work with hi (laughs) spend time with you during the week not just on Sundays Um, met some of you last time I was here preaching and it's such a joy to be back thanks for having my wife Jen and I here again and at Advent that's quite an honor so thank you today as Tim mentioned our um, focus is peace And more specifically, we're going to be looking at peace for anxious hearts. Peace is a really hard thing for me to connect to right now. I don't think I'm the only one in the room that feels that. We just had a video explaining it, right? (laughs) There's a lot of things that get in the way of peace. So we're gonna turn to our passage and then we're gonna look a little bit at that context that makes peace difficult for us to to wrestle with, to grab. So our first passage comes from John, chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's his final address to him. He literally had just been at the table and Judas is just left to go do his thing. And he's telling all of the people, all of his disciples, that he's leaving. He's preparing them for his going to the cross to die and leaving them. And he's like, It's okay that I leave. It's fine. I'm going to go away. And they're like, It's not okay. (laughs) It's actually not okay that you're leaving. And they're anxious and they're troubled and they're in this place. And Jesus, in the middle of it, says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When my heart's troubled, I need peace, but I hear those words and I'm kind of like, yeah, but Jesus, have you looked around a little bit? <laughs> like, have you heard what you're doing to us? Right? Like, this is hard. Just the fact that you said you give me peace, this is difficult. But we also shouldn't be surprised That Jesus is, in his final address, extending peace to them. He's saying, here, I give this to you. Because peace is, like, core to the Jesus story. If we were to go back to what the prophets say about the arrival of Jesus coming, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says this, "'For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.'" And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. This prince of peace will come, and he will reign over a kingdom of peace that will last forever. That's the hope the prophets give to a people that can't remember what peace tastes like. They're like, is there even a future for us as a nation, as a people? Is there anything? And the prophet says, peace is coming. A king a prince of peace will come and that kingdom will last forever and then when Jesus is born in Luke chapter 2 verses 12 and 14 it says this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests peace is essential to Christmas it's essential to the Jesus story. It's why Jesus, in his final farewell, even though he, farewell, even though he's creating all of this anxiety, tries to reroute his people in peace. And he's saying, "It's a gift from me. It's something I extend to you, and you get to receive." And I think Jesus understands that that's really hard, because he also says, "I don't give like the world gives." I give you something different. I give you my peace. I think Jesus gets that there's another version of peace out there, the world's version of peace. And we often choose that version instead. It's a little easier, it's a little less complicated. (laughs) And so we choose those versions. So when Tim told me that our topic was going to be peace, from like, and that was like maybe, what, a month and a half, two months ago, something like that, and from that point on, my life has been nothing but peace, thank you, Tim. (laughs) It has not been peaceful at all. There has not been peace. It has not been peace-filled. There's not a moment of it, at work, at home, anywhere. My son is graduating high school and applying to colleges essays and deadlines and essays and deadlines and stress and worry and are my grades enough and I miss the deadline and staying up late at night. And also he's our only and we're sending him away. And I'm up at night at three in the morning when I don't want to be thinking about empty nest. There's nothing about that that's like peace, yay. <laughs> Where I work, I work at Multnomah University. Those of you that are connected at all, you've heard about the news of a merger slash acquisition slash partnership. What is that thing that's happening with Jessup University? And we're in this place where we're trying to figure out what it means for our institution to become a new thing with a new partner. Most of the time, that just feels like unknown. We're between realities, the old one, Is still real and the new ones becoming more real and in the middle between it all it's kind of just confusing (laughs) and so it doesn't feel peaceful then you add Christmas right the expectations of family the expectations on myself to do it right Oh, we didn't, like, do something around the table as a family. Oh, we didn't spend this time. Oh, I didn't slow down enough, right? Like, these are the things. They're important, and yet I get on myself when I don't do them. (laughs) The demands of Christmas are hard. And then I still have to get all of the shopping done, all of the things, all of the events, all of the traditions. This is my thing. I love the traditions, so I want to get them all in every year. And the year when it might be the last one my son's living at the home, (laughs) oh my gosh, I want to make sure they all get done. And do you guys know that like the first week of like the Advent thing's like about over? (laughs) Like, man, that's hard, it's hard. And that's just my personal story soon as I get on social media or watch news and I hear about war in Ukraine, war in the Middle East, I hear about the refugee crisis across the world, I drive across Portland and I see the houseless crisis. I hear about loneliness, I hear about depression, I hear about tiredness, I hear about all of these things. And I literally want to scream at God when Jesus says, peace I give to you. And I'm like, look around! (laughs) It's not peace filled It doesn't feel like peace. How am I supposed to grab that? I can't. I can't. I can't grab it. I don't get it. It's hard. It's really hard. We live in a context where it's hard to connect with peace. That's the brilliance of slowing down. That's the brilliance of going counter to it all and saying we're going to spend some time trying to grab it cuz it's the thing I can't grab a hold of right now. There's probably a few of you thinking like, "Thanks Tim for bringing this guy in." <laughs> His sermon on pieces is a real bummer. <laughs> It kind of is a bummer and here's why the themes of Christmas hope and peace the ones that we've just heard about and we're hearing about now they require a context in which they make sense as hope hopelessness is the context for which hope makes any sense and is beautiful when everything's perfect That's not the context in which I need to extend hope and go, it's there, you can grab it. The same for peace. Lack of peace is the context in which the promise of peace makes any sense, in which it actually feels like something I need to grab a hold of and want. I don't think we're going to hear Jesus in the kingdom tell us, don't have anxious hearts. I think that will just be true we will have peace, and it will be beautiful, and it will be whole and full, and our experience of it will be great. (laughs) That is so good. (laughs) I think somebody wanted to pep the sermon up a little bit, and I get it, I do get it. A context that requires peace is a context we really don't want but my first thing for us today is that if we want to grab a hold of peace if we want to embrace Jesus's version of peace if we want to have it really you know what we need to do we need to embrace the context that requires it we need to fully wrap around the context that we have that you have personally that our world has so that we stand a chance of receiving God's better picture of peace i want to tell you a story about when i worked at a nonprofit i mentioned this the last time we preached that served adults with developmental disabilities in a work setting we we trained people with work skills and there was a man named Floyd he was in his 50s he had this wild crazy white hair this really crazy beard. He was big and muscular. He was angry and grumpy, like all the time. He never smiled. He never had joy, and he really hated when others did. And there were some people that worked right next to him that were boisterous and fun and fun-loving, and they just made tons of noise, and they loved life. And Floyd hated it. (laughs) He couldn't stand it. And Christmas was the worst time of the year for Floyd. Every Christmas it got worse. He'd grow angrier, he'd lash out, he would talk less than he, he never talked, but he'd talk even less. He'd fight. I walked out into the parking lot and there was one of those people who was having an amazing time. And Floyd hit him in his chest and the other guy went back. And then he got scared, and then he'd get loud again, and Floyd would hit him in the chest again. So I ran across as fast as I could, and I got in between them, and I said, stop, and Floyd hit me in my chest. And I went back, and I got back in the middle, and he readied it up again, and I was like, stop. And that was just Christmas with Floyd. That's how it was and i kept trying to break through what's going on why is it harder and he just get angrier so we just leave it alone and that january there was a new man named earl that bought floyd's home he was in his 40s he had a successful career and he decided he was following the prompt to go and immerse himself in places where people needed love so he bought this group home And he just loved that group of people so well. He invited Floyd to his friends or to his kids' birthday parties and his kids' basketball games and the weddings and all the things. And Floyd was like, mm mm, not gonna happen. Nope, nope, mm, not gonna do it. And then he started to go. And then it was a birthday and then a basketball game. And he started to go. And we noticed a difference. Floyd started smiling a little bit, he even talked a little bit more. But then the next Christmas came around, and it was the same thing, the same exact thing. Anger and frustration and all the grumps. And he was getting angry at this guy again, because we hadn't learned, Like, just keep putting them right next to each other apparently is the right thing. So he's getting angry at him again, and he's ready to like lash out. And I walked up and I said, Floyd, are you okay? What's going on? Do you need a break? And he gets in my face, and every muscle is tensed, and his hair is wild. And he goes, do you know why I hate Christmas? No, I've been asking, I don't know. He goes, it's because I hate her. I said, who? It's my mom. She died when I was a kid, and she left me at Christmas. And then he gave me the biggest, hardest hug I've ever had in my life. I thought I was going to pass out. he began to embrace his context. For him, it was childhood trauma. It was the loss of someone that made Christmas hard, that made receiving peace hard, that made receiving hope hard. There is so much that happens at the holiday times. They aren't perfect. We don't experience them perfectly. And that doesn't have to be a reason that we can't hold on to the beautiful things of Christmas. But we also can't ignore the context. We have to embrace that context. And for Floyd, he embraced it, and he began to heal. He began to be someone, we would have conversations together. We would laugh together. We would seek each other out. He was finding healing. Before God and before other people who loved God, he was receiving peace. This real, deep peace. And it was so beautiful to watch. Like Floyd, we need to learn to hold on and embrace the context that we're in. Jesus is aware in this passage that there are different versions of peace out there, that the world provides a different vision of peace. Most of the time, it looks like avoidance. If I can avoid the things I don't like, the things that disturb me, the things of my context that hurt me, I mean, honestly, as I told that story about Floyd, there's probably nobody in this room that didn't think about the person they're missing right now at this time. I know I'm pushing into that place, and I'm sorry, but also that's the place where the peace comes to us. That's the place where the completeness, the wholeness, the flourishing, the peace thing comes. That's the place. And so we need to slowly grab a hold of it and bring it before God and say, this is the context in which I need it. So when Jesus says, don't, like, I don't give you as the world gives, he's trying to reshape their thinking. They're used to following the world's way of peace. And he's saying, but follow mine. According to the world, we think of peace. Just think of how we define the word peace. We usually use it as the absence of violence, the peacetime, between war, right? The absence of a thing. We talk about peace as the absence of annoyances. Any parents in here that are like, man, my little ones finally got a nap or are away? And you know, they're like, ah, right? Like peace. Maybe you're retired or your spouse is newly retired and they finally got out of your hair and went like away for a minute, right? Like peace. (laughs) Like we define peace as the absence of the thing that disturbs us or angers us. But biblical peace is something so much more beautiful. In the Greek, the term is arene, and in the, the Hebrew, the term is shalom, and the picture is this. It's the presence of fullness, completeness, and flourishing to you, or to a thing. And the, it describes, the Bible describes all kinds of things as being shalom, being peace. A brick can be peace if it has no cracks in it, if it's a complete brick. A wall can be full and peace if it has no missing bricks. A person and relationships can be peace, can be full if they're not broken, if there's nothing between us. Kingdoms can have peace if they have right relationship to God and right relationship to others, if all of those relational components are done and done right, kingdoms can be full and complete. So when Jesus says, I give you my peace, he says, I give you my completeness, my wholeness, my flourishing, because he understands our context, our context in which that isn't true. There are cracks we miss this person, I don't like this thing, I'm tired of war, I'm tired of, of the context, I'm hurting, I have this past, I have this thing. And he goes, but I give you flourishing, I give you wholeness. Don't take the world's thing, the world's thing. Those things. The avoidance of those things and our modern world makes it even harder because we have these things right and we need these things because they're so dang convenient (laughs) I have these things it's very convenient we have the bigger ones the TV ones right we have these screens we have this technology all over the place And last week, Tim talked about how technology and the advance of technology has shaped us to think that fast is always better. But this Christmas, we're going to slow down. The other thing this technology does is it shapes us to think that convenience is better, that easy is better, and that difficult or inconvenient is bad. That's just not true. Some of the most beautiful things and some of the best places where Christ meets you are the most inconvenient. (laughs) I never want to repeat those things except for the fact that it's where God met me. I don't want to go through infertility again, but in those five years, my wife and I learned that our Father loves us whether we get the thing we want or not. I don't wanna go through loss of job, but it was in that place that I learned about my identity to Christ, not my identity as pastor, whatever the things are. I don't wanna go through those things again. Those are highly inconvenient. They're painful. And our world tells us that that's not peace, so find a better, easier, avoid the pain path thing. And these are constantly shaping us to think about convenience. I didn't know how to get here today. I've been here before. (laughs) I knew the general area. We literally got off the freeway, and I was like, it's saying go that way. I'm, like, distrusting it. I don't think that's how we got here. (laughs) I'm the guy who needs this. Like, why am I questioning it, right? But it's like, I have friends I've been to their house multiple times. I don't know how to get there. My son actually makes a game of it. He comes home. He's like, I know how to get to so-and-so's house, so-and-so's house, like, without my phone. And I'm like, whoa, that's how it just used to be. (laughs) And now it's like the game you try to do, right? And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to play that game. It's easier. I have this, (laughs) right? And I'll just do this. If I'm visiting somewhere, I need a restaurant, okay. Oh, I'll check the reviews really quick. I can get my reservation right here, right now. I need a car, boom. Need a calculator, boom. Need a calendar, need email. It's, they are amazing. I'm not actually knocking them right now. Like, they are amazing devices that help us do so much. They're so convenient. But if I'm not careful, I don't recognize the way that it shapes me towards convenience and away from inconvenience. It shapes me towards easy and away from difficult. It shapes me towards comfort And away from pain. If you think I'm wrong, try this for a second. (laughs) That action is so hard, we've actually learned to do this and make it into a watch. Like we so need it right next to us, right? Like we need it. And I've heard my students in high school, in college, I've heard their parents say, man, I just feel so weird without it. There's something about its presence to us that convinces us we can do it. I can get where I need to go. I can do the things I need to do. I can access the stuff. It's convenient. I read this article the other day that was talking about when you, when you go to the thing, it says we've spent so much time trying to address our pleasure centers of our brain. It says we try so hard to avoid the pain that we try as much as we can to find the things that bring us joy and pleasure. And it doesn't have to be this. It can be shopping. It can be chocolate. It can be caffeine. It can be drugs. It can be lots of things that we choose to go to to ignite that pleasure center of the brain that tells us you're okay. And it kind of works like this. I take that piece of chocolate and I go... Yeah, I kind of am okay. And then it's like, could you imagine one more piece? Yeah, I, I can. I, I actually can. And you take it, and you're like, mm, just one more, right? And it's like we keep feeding it. And her point was this: we this has become a way that we overstimulate that section of our brain to where it no longer even is pleasurable. Just one more TikTok, just one more reel, just one more thing, just one, and it just over, and it just desensitizes. And she's like, so why then, with all of this convenience, why with all of this pleasure right at our fingertips, we can do all of these things, why are we more lonely? Why are we more depressed? Why are we more angry? Why are we more, because we've accepted something, I think. I think we've accepted the ways world of peace which says comfort yourself, avoid, distract, don't pay attention to, find the pleasurable thing instead of the hard thing. And we call that peace. We call that peace. That's rather absurd. When you hear me talk about it that way, you go, well, that's not peace. I don't want that thing. But we literally make this thing and do this thing and call it peace. And I think Christ is grieved. And I think he's, like, begging us, don't follow the world's way of peace. There is no way of the world's peace. That is no way of peace. Don't do it. Don't follow it. Follow mine. And I'm actually probably doing a huge disservice to you all. I just told you to accept God's way of peace is the harder, the inconvenient, (laughs) the more difficult way to peace. It is. It looks like Floyd and embracing your context. It looks like embracing the promise of peace amidst what you're going through, not avoiding it. It works a little bit like this. So I just read this article the other day about how our brain functions as we look at it. And it makes me kind of feel bad about myself. And I think, man, I'm on this thing too much. And then you know what my next thought is? Maybe I could just find a puppy video. <laughs> and, I, and I go scrolling. And then I'm like, oops, I just saw a, a video about war. I always scroll some more, find the thing. I remember after a car accident, I was getting um, some, some treatment, some chiropractic and massage treatment. And this woman, she knew that I was a pastor. And so I'm laying there and she's giving me the treatment and she's like, I don't get you. Excuse me? <laughs> I thought I was here for like a treatment. I, I don't know. My back hurts. And she was like, you're a pastor, have you seen what goes on in the world? Have you seen what this president said? Have you seen this thing? Have you seen all of that? I'm like, yeah. She goes, it doesn't bother you? I'm like, of course it bothers me. She goes, and you can still go to church and tell people God exists and God is love? And I'm like, whoa, like lady. I'm just like, she, and so then she goes, okay, stop, stop, stop. I'm sorry. Just think about puppies. Just think about puppies. Just think about puppies. I was like, this is so absurd. And she's like, are you thinking about puppies? I'm like, no, I'm not thinking about puppies. I'm thinking about how I'm not getting what I paid for. Like, I, I'm not thinking about puppies. And, and she's like, okay, okay, that's better. And I was like, no, it's not. She goes, what do you mean? I go, that's, that's no hope, that's no peace. And so I started telling her stories about some of our friends who walk with people who are refugees in the community, about some of our friends who have become foster parents, about some of our people who have embraced a context where they're willing to bring Christ's peace into that context and say that's where it matters to bring the peace. And I started telling her those stories, and I realized she had just been listening, and I think I told her stories for like half an hour, and then my treatment was done And she left the room, and I walked out of the room, and she comes around the corner, and there's tears streaming down her eyes, and she gives me a hug, and she goes, I so needed to see that today. She thought she needed puppies. We all kind of think we need puppies. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But the cute things we try to distract ourselves when actually you dive further into it. You bring Christ further into that context you let Christ enter further into your context. And that's where peace exists, that's where peace comes from, that's where it begins and we begin healing and we become being that whole and full and flourishing thing. We cannot become that thing if we avoid the cracks, if we pretend they're not there, if we distract ourselves from them. So we need to reshape ourselves. Technology, the world, it's reshaped us to think a certain way. And we need to reshape ourselves and let Christ reshape us. So, how do we do that? How do we reshape ourselves to receive Christ's peace? Do you guys remember the the Charlie Brown Christmas? Yeah, okay. You know Linus? I think we have a picture of Linus. There he is with the little blue blanket, right? He loves that blanket. He carries it everywhere, right? Why? It comforts him. It makes him feel peaceful. It makes him feel better. I have no problem with him carrying around that blanket, except that it's shaping him a certain way. It's telling him something about where his peace and his his completeness comes from, right? There's a fascinating thing that happens in the Charlie Brown Christmas. If you remember the story, Charlie Brown's getting it all wrong over and over and over, and he gets so frustrated that as he's trying to put on this performance about what Christmas is and how to live out Christmas, and he screams, and he's like, apparently I don't know what Christmas is all about. Does anyone know what Christmas is all about? And Linus is like, I know what Christmas is all about. And he walks out onto the stage all by himself this kid with his security blanket who like would never go and do this kind of a thing steps out and he's like lights and he turns down the lights and it hits him and he just starts repeating Luke chapter 2 right and he's talking about Jesus being born he's talking about a messiah he's talking about all these things and then if you watch him he's getting more animated and then he's like and the angel said to the shepherds fear not and right at that moment you know what he does he drops his blanket as if fear not was spoken to his own anxious heart, and he drops it, and he goes on with the rest, and he's talking about Jesus and what it means, and then you see his blanket, and you're kind of like, is he done with it? Does he not need it anymore? Did he let go of the other security? Did he find it? And like 12 seconds in, he's finished, and he goes to leave, and you're like watching that blanket, and he grabs it, and he walks on off, and he comes to Charlie Brown, and he goes, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And he holds it, and he puts his thumb in his mouth, <laughs> and he's right back to say line is. And I'm like, really, bro? You, like, fasted for 12 seconds? <laughs> like, you fasted from your security thing that long? You can't do better? Uh... The reason that is so convicting is because it's so true. I can fast from anything for 12 seconds. Our analog assignment today is about remembering peace. It's about reshaping ourselves to be able to receive this version of peace. It's about submitting ourselves to Christ and his way of peace so that we're reshaped to, to think that His inconvenient way is better. His inconvenient way is more beautiful. His more painful way leads to more wholeness. That it is the good and the right and the better. And like Linus, if you follow this today, you're going to have one moment. One moment where you dropped it for a second. The thing that gives you peace. You're going to drop it. And you're going to have one moment you can remember it's doable. It's doable. Linus dropped it. He was enraptured with the fear not message, enraptured with true peace, and he drops it. There's at least one moment beginning to reshape Linus. The hope of these analog assignments, right, isn't that we probably do them once and forget them, but that they begin to reshape us so that we rethink about the ways of Christ and that we let it infiltrate all the places for us. And so the analog assignment comes in two pieces. The first movement is that I would ask you to be alone with Jesus. Be alone with yourself and Jesus. You know what's fascinating about the Linus picture in comfort, the passage right before our John passage where he says, have peace. Jesus says, I'm sending you the comforter, the spirit. We can have that peace because it lives within us. So we can grasp it. So so this analog assignment is about spending time with the spirit, being alone, spending time. So set aside 20 minutes we're going to do eight minutes, better, or, well, 19 minutes and 50-whatever seconds better than Linus, right? <laughs> 48 seconds. And you're going to find this time to sit with him, to be alone with God, to talk with him about anything, whatever you want. Pray, discuss, just be. Maybe you talk about your context, right? And bring a piece of paper, write down what do you feel What's happening? What are your behaviors like? What are they telling you? Your behaviors might look like: is 20 minutes up? You might have to lock this in your car or something, okay? (laughs) Like, you might have to do that. But we're going to drop technology, we're going to set aside the screens for 20 minutes and just spend time alone with God. And then movement, two is that we're going to drop the technology, the screens, the things that reshape us, and we're going to spend time with someone else. This can be a significant other. It can be your whole family. It can be a friend. Whoever this is, find time to spend with someone else without the other things that reshape you. Go on a walk. Watch the rain and drink cocoa. Do something that is just being together. And at the end of both of these... And I think this is the most important step. Thank God for being the giver of your peace. Thank God for being the giver of your peace. These things, those avoidances, those distractions, they are not the one who gives us peace. Jesus Christ is the one who gives us peace. And if we love him and if we are his followers, we do good and right by him to name him the giver of our peace and not something so cheap. So that's like the most important part of this, that we would name and say it aloud by ourselves and with a friend or someone else and know that he truly is our giver of peace. So we're going to light our second candle of the Advent season, the candle of peace. And after that, we're going to have the band come up. There's going to be a video that helps you settle into what we've learned, settle into these themes. It's a lot to process. And so there will be time for you to sort to of rest and let your mind hear from God, hear from the Spirit about what you've learned today. And then the band will invite you to come and participate in communion. So we're gonna light this candle, the candle of peace, but let us pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the giver of our peace. Thank you that you give us a better way of peace. Thank you that we don't have to follow the world's way of peace. Would you, by your spirit, please give us the strength to do the things we've talked about today, to embrace our context that needs your peace, and to embrace the slower and more difficult way of letting you in. Jesus, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for being born. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being peace and light into the midst of this world's darkness. As we slow down this Christmas, change us, shape us, like clay in your hands, Might we be made more into your image and bring your light to this world. Amen.